Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Anatomy of Movie as we talk lights out today, and we have a special guest. Stay tuned, and we'll find out who. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking horror today with Lights Out. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And as teased, we have Alex DePersia, a.k.a. Brett, from the movie. <laughs> Brett, Brad, Brent. Whatever. One of those. One of, the, one of those ones. <laughs> this is, I kept thinking that your name was Brad in the entire movie. Yeah, I mean, I thought my name was Brad for half the movie. <laughs> was it written Brett in the script? It was written Brett with one T. One T. Yeah. I don't know mm. most Bretts with two Ts, though. I thought it was a two T name. I thought it was a two T name. No. The Mr. Spelling over here. <laughs> Why do you need to? Mr. Name pronunciating. Anyway, <laughs> welcome uh, to the show. Thank you for coming by. Thanks for um, having me. I got to first and foremost applaud the movie. I thought it was amazing. Thank you. Um, and you know what? I even dread. We don't have Dimitri Panos today, who is a horror buff, nor. Uh, Daryl, Kristen, they're off on vacation, so I dragged Marissa into this. Yes. Not a horror buff. Not a horror. But I've she done, did enjoy I, it. I, I did, you know, because I'm one for like a good drama story, and this film for a horror had a good drama story, and I was thoroughly surprised. For sure. You take the horror out, it's just a really good dramatic story. Family elements, and then, you know, you're rooting for these people. It's a mini family, but, you know, you, you want to see good at the end of the film. Yeah, I think we owe our success to that story. I mean, it's not just a run-of-the-mill horror film. It's more than what you expect when you go in, I think. So let me ask you this. Did, did you, um, you know, during the audition process or whatnot, did you go and see the, the short film? I saw the short, um, I think, before my last meeting on the film. Uh, you know, I'd read the script. Um, obviously a very appealing script because of the family element that you mentioned. It's more than just like a campy horror film. It's not just a bunch of pretty people getting murdered somewhere. There's a lot more than that. And then um, as I got closer and closer to the role, uh, I watched the short just to get the idea of the concept. But, you know, I, it's an awesome, I don't know if gimmick is, gimmick's kind of underselling it, but simple primal fear trick that we use in the film, but then wrap this wonderful story around it. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I, I didn't see the short film until after this because um, I found it that it was available just on YouTube or something, and um, I, I enjoy it. But you know, um, I like the concept. Where was? Can you tell us about the audition process for you and how you got? The audition involved? process for me was an interesting one. I had I live in New York, um, and so in we shot this. I believe it would have been last June. Mm-hmm. June is when we shot it. So in like March. I remember I, I self-taped for this, and sent. that's when you tape yourself mm-hmm. at your agency or something, and you send it across the country because you're too lazy to get on a plane and <laughs> fly to Los <laughs> Angeles. And it, nothing happened with it, and I totally forgot about the project. Uh, and I'd come out to L.A. for um, for a wedding for some friends. And my manager sent me the script, and they were like, you know, give it a read, see what you think. Uh, you know, Teresa Palmer's attached, so I read it, and I was like, I've, I've read this script before. And they're like, oh, yeah, but there's new casting directors. And I was like, well, I mean, if they didn't like me the first time, they're not going to like me now. They're like, just drop it, go for it. And I went in, um, and it's a casting director I'd known for a really long time since he was an assistant for some other casting directors. And he's like, I love you for this part. So I read for it. Um, didn't really think much of it. And then, you know, later in the day, my manager's like, you're, they're great. They love you. They love you. You're great. And, I was, you know, you hear this stuff all the time. You don't really think. I think this was a Thursday, and on Friday, or a Wednesday, and on Friday I was leaving for Napa to go to this wedding. So they call me Thursday, and they're like, all right, you're going you're gonna to test with, uh, with, with Tez on Friday. And I was like, oh, this is great. 
but we kept moving the times. So finally I test, I, I forget what time I tested. Um, it went really, it was fun. You know, Teresa's a great actress. The scenes that we shot were not uh, scary scenes. They were the kind of the nice intimate scenes together. Um, and I'd missed my flight to Napa. So I ended up driving to Napa, which, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, it's like an eight-hour drive. But you're like, oh, they're really exaggerating. It's like a four-hour drive. It's an eight-hour drive. <laughs> and I drove to Napa, and as soon as I got there, they called. And they were like, you got the part. And I was like, oh, amazing. Like, How soon can you be here? I was like, not not soon at all. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Napa for a wedding. They were like, tomorrow morning? And I was like, no, I literally just drove eight hours. It's, it's 7 p.m. Um, cut to you know, 7 p.m. Sunday, 5.30 a.m. Monday we were working. Wow. wow! Yeah, it's a very short turnaround. Yeah, very short turnaround. That that's really cool because, uh, um, you know, reading all those scenes and you, with your test with Teresa, like I loved your chemistry in in the movie between you two because you know you had you brought a lot of levity to the movie, I, like comedic relief more so, yeah. especially during all the scary moments. Yeah. So I was like, oh, thank God! It makes them a bit <laughs> yeah. scarier, you know, and I think it gives the audience a break while they're watching it. Um, and you know, Tez and I spent a lot of time together off set. Um, playing she, she has a stepson a son and a son on the way so there's like a lot of playfulness and fun going on and we got to know each other really well which i gave us we were able to bring that on screen i think which was nice you know and bring that relationship onto the screen and, yeah absolutely if it, it felt natural so like what i liked about this film i mean obviously james wan's uh, actually helped produce you know this film big name in the horror genre like how much was he creatively involved in james this? was very uh creatively involved he was on set uh a good amount of the time. Uh, for David, it was his first. David went from making a short film that he uploaded to YouTube to making a studio film uh, that ended up at Comic-Con, which is crazy, within, I think, a year and a half. Um, James put a lot of trust in him, but James was also on set. I think, you know, James is very good at what he does. He's our generation's, you know, Wes Craven or whatever, whoever you want to call him. He's the king of horror. Um, not just horror anymore. He's moved on to Fast and Furious. He's doing, he's doing TV now. He's doing MacGyver. So he was on set a lot um, for... The scares. I think he has a certain way he likes to produce these scares. So he came on set a lot for those. Um, and it helped David. Um, and also, I think it lent more confidence to David for his kind of directorial debut feature. Did, did you get to interact with him much? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's the most wonderfully sweet and fun and playful guy you've ever met. It's, it's opposite from what you'd expect. There's nothing like dark or horror about him. He's positive and smiling and jumping up and down all the time. He's He's an amazingly wonderful guy to be around uh, mm-hmm. different different than expected um and how, how is david you know since this was his first time kind of directing i mean david's you know. i mean very swedish he, everything is like he's like unwavering like 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 just monotonal in a sense and you know you had no idea everything was so cool and you know Tazna would be like how was that take he'd be like yeah that was uh that was really good <laughs> we're moving on be like, what? what and then one day uh Tez had the story that was um like David was standing in the corner, kind of like this, and she's like, uh, "Is everything all right?" He's like, "I'm a little, uh, like I'm a little overwhelmed by all this, you know, all these people." And she was like, "You don't. This is you being overwhelmed. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he's such a calm guy. Um, I think it's, I mean, testament to him and his ability to just do this. You know, he showed up on a big set. Uh, he'd been to film school. Mm-hmm. He made these shorts with his wife Lota in their apartment in Sweden. This is a huge step." I handled it unbelievably. 
Yeah, I mean, the nice part is, I mean, he does have a history. Um, I read more about him. Like, he's he's been making movies, but, you know, he, he was not, like, directing them. He was working for other people. So um, so it's always nice to see kind of in that way because the one thing I hate when people take it, oh, here's a first-time director that just made a short, uploaded it, and now look at him. You know what I mean? Like, he did. Not not the case. Yeah, he you know, he cut his teeth. Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, every every actor's an overnight success. It's like, we've been doing this a long time, people. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I like the fact that, you know, you're working with James Wan, who's already, you know, very experienced in this genre. And then, you know, David, who's not as well for directing and whatnot. But then you're also working with, like, really well-established actors. We have I mean, great, we have act- we have great actors. Teresa Maria Bello. I, w- I was thoroughly surprised Maria Bello. I was like, oh, hey, it's Maria. Yeah. Maybe something good will come out of this because <laughs> I love her as well. But what's it like, you know, being opposite next to, like, two very strong actresses and just characters in this the movie itself. It was it was amazing, you know. I, I Maria came on later in the process. You know, Tez being attached to the project made it very appealing to me. Um, she's done really well in her career. She's continuing to do well. She's a very talented woman. And then when Maria got attached, I was like, "Wow, this is this is really cool." You know, Maria is somebody I've watched since I was a kid. Love everything she does. Mm-hmm. She brings so much weight uh, to to characters. Um, and to this character in particular, you know, Maria struggles with manic depression in her own life. So to bring that to this character was a lot and I'm sure difficult for her to do. But just having those two women to play opposite of is was an honor. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine. But you also held your own during this. I, you know, I did, I did the best that I could. Um, I think it, the best thing about, you know, like I said, James put his trust into David. David really put his trust into us as actors, which was nice. And Eric Heiser, our, our screenwriter, wrote an awesome screenplay, and he was also a producer. So he, first day on set, he said, you know, I've hung up my cap as a writer, and now I'm a producer. So we all had this um, amazing back and forth where we worked on scenes, we, we broke things down, so we could figure out what these characters wanted and where they were going and the best way to get there. What do, what do you? How would you describe your character of Brett? Um, because I think what I like most about this movie, you have really incredibly strong women, but then you know uh, the guys are equally as strong. And in particular, Brett. I mean, he, they they could have written him as just some uh, douchebag boyfriend, yeah. but he's really not. He's. I mean, he's unwavering in his love for this for this woman. Uh, he, he will do anything to be with her. Um, He's earnest. Uh, he's he's straightforward with her uh, in all his opinions. He doesn't hold anything back, and he's there for her. I think it's funny. I, a, a lot of times during the junk and a lot of interviews, I've done like, oh, man, world's greatest boyfriend. Like, no guys are like this in real life. I'm like, man, people really have a low opinion of men. <laughs> that, that, like, we're going to run at every, you know, at every chance you get. So this character, um, I wouldn't say he was a lot like me, but, you know, I'm, I don't know. We live in 2016. Things aren't like <laughs> dating isn't super easy. Things are not that easy. Uh, well, I think. I mean, it's. I think it's more so like a trope of horror to to write in like a bad boyfriend. For sure, bad boyfriend yeah. who I, who either gets killed right away, makes like the worst decisions. You don't. You know. And I think another trope before is you don't really root for any of the characters. And I think the nice thing about this story is you wrote you root for every single one of them, whether it's Martin the little kid or or Maria to get better. You. 
you root for everybody. You want everybody to win. You don't want people to get killed off. You know, when they go in the basement, it's not like, don't go in the basement. Let's see what happens. You're like, oh, man, don't go in the basement. I don't want to see this go the wrong way with you guys. I really care about you. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because when I first saw your character and how he was established, that bad boy, I'm like, I immediately turned to Phil. I was like, oh, great. He's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> well, ready. the way we look, too, you know, we've got our leather yeah. jackets and the hair's long and tatted up, you know. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of the tropes in horror films, like the, the couple that always sleeps together first is usually the first to die. I was like, oh, no, we, we know where this That's is That's why going. we picked it up post-coitus, so, you know, <laughs> sure, we could yeah. survive. But, you know, like, but your character did grow on me, especially because, like, he did seem earnest, and, you know, he really was sincere and cared about the family and her, and I was like, all right, I can, I can refer yeah. this guy. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Thank you. I, to me, uh, the smartest line was, you know, are you doing this for him or are you doing it for you? Yeah. Uh, and that confrontation and uh and there's just some comedy to it like i still don't know who diane yeah. is <laughs> yeah. so some of those scenes right. were it was funny uh um tez and i had like so many headbutting sessions with our director we're like are you sure we should put a joke in here like is this <laughs> is this really necessary and he's like yeah just do it this one way for us and we'd like every kind of scene i feel like i threw a line away ended up making it into the movie you know <laughs> Hilarious. Did you have much freedom to do, like, go off the script? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... We, we cleared it with our writer and with our producers. I mean, they were on set the whole time. So we were like, hey, if we want to, you know, we want to change this a little bit in this direction and make the relationship seem a little more authentic, they were they were totally down for it. It was awesome. Neat. Excellent. Uh, let me ask you this. In terms of what, what, what's been the thing that you like audiences reacting to in terms of your character? Because, I mean, I you know, in terms of your character, right, for me... Um, as I was watching, right when he when he kind of gets in the car and you hear the car drive off, and poor Barnes like he, he, did, he didn't leave us, did he? You know, everyone at that point is like, did he? But you know, it's funny. It's like I think feel like half the audience is like, this guy's smart, and half them are like, oh, this guy's the worst. You know, <laughs> like that's. Um, is there a preferred reaction for you? My preferred reaction is just. You know, I'd seen a bunch of screenings of it uh, over the months, and then we had the premiere, which had the Chinese theater, which was really exciting. Um, you know, they were like, when he lights the car up, it's the greatest scene in the world, and the theater just went nuts, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was really, that was really exciting, really exciting. For me, that's probably my favorite part to watch, just because it's like so WWF, he comes flying down <laughs> this this driveway and just gets clotheslined and destroyed, yeah. and it seems like he's over with, but he's not. Um so I, I enjoy watching that. You know, like I said last night, I went to see Bourne, and then I like snuck in to the back end of Lights Out to see how people reacted to Surf Mom. How do they react? They just go. People just—it's like a hooting, hollering type thing. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's, fun. it's a great reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, and speaking to you know getting thrown around and whatnot. There's a lot of stunts and wiring in this. Yeah, I made some film. bad decisions. What was, on what that, was one. that filming process like? Um, it was. It was difficult. It was fun. Um, I, I hadn't done many stunts before, and obviously I had a, a stunt man, but I did a lot of the stuff on my own, which I will never do again. Um, not a good idea to do your own stunts or to like take a few hits because it's not like you take a hit once or twice. You take it like 15 times in mm-hmm. a row. You get rigged up and pulled in the air. It happens over and over, and by the I, I'll never do it again. I'm like, no reason for it. That's what stunt people are there for, right? Right. <laughs> Um, and we, I read that uh, in terms of the lighting, right, they wanted to have it as natural as they could. Obviously, you still have to have some, you know, lighting and whatnot. But did that also kind of set the tone in terms of, you know, as you guys are shooting it, it's a little bit easier perhaps to get into character? For sure. We we shot in this really 
well, there was the apartment that there's a few scenes in that uh, Rebecca and I share, or I'm trying to share with her. Um, and then there was the house uh, in Highland Park was where we shot. And that house was so dark the entire time we shot there. And no offense to the man who owns the house, but it was a creepy, creepy house. So no matter which way you cut it, the rooms that we weren't shooting in where you'd go and you know sit in your chair and have a Diet Coke were creepy. Um, so the tone was dark and weird and you needed your cell phone flashlight to even walk out of the house to get something from crafty so the tone was there it made our jobs easier uh, for sure i like the cinematography in it because i noticed yeah especially with the house when every time they enter there's that big patio and they're literally going into darkness i'm like what are you doing you're going into the darkest house ever so i I think that's you know great to hear it was amazing mark spicer who did our, our who's our cinematographer was amazing he does a lot of the fast and furious stuff he's a really established wonderful guy um and the tone is set you know obviously um rebecca's mother likes to keep the house dark so she can have her friend around and so if we're gonna step into it we're gonna be going into her world and then we have to bring our own little extra sources to keep ourselves safe how how much did you guys talk about the rules of that world because you know obviously you know it's it's very much kind of like a mystery at first and then we're slowly introduced into this and you you know just by the title you kind of get the concept but you know it's like the black light later on that's a new introduction yeah it's a twist but that was like a you know they figured that out as they went along you know they're in the basement they're figuring out ways about it and this wasn't like is the black light gonna work we just find that the black light does work that you know we can see diana but she doesn't disappear in the light and therefore can you know inflict some sort of harm on her yeah how much how much did you guys like talk about that ahead of time did you or was that just always in the script and and you guys were told i don't remember the black light part but i do remember really you know working a lot on these you know when i did the the cell phone move you know yeah. i had this oh, yeah. huge cheers i had this huge light i well we shot it like my way with the cell phone like that and then there was another way where we shot it where you know you know Teresa and i joked that we should get credits as like lighting people because we did a lot of our own lighting like her black light scenes like that was how she was lit was the black light and then for the cell phone scene, when you see it bouncing off the walls, I was holding the cell phone with huge lights rigged on it that would bounce off the walls. So we did, like, all those little gags you see us doing with flashlights and candles. That's it. There weren't extra light sources. So we used those as our light sources for filming as well, which was is that fun. is that You know how you have to... Because you have to hit your mark in a certain way, right? Are you now, like, also... When you say uh, you should get lighting credit, like, are you told very specifically of how the lighting yeah. should go? <laughs> yeah. You are, and they'd be like... While we were shooting, they'd be like, all right, Alexander, put it to the left, up the stairwell a little bit. All right, pull it back down. And then, you know, when you go in the house, put the flashlight over there to the right and then to the left of the door, but not too left. So it was like <laughs> we had, like, hitting our marks and then hitting our lighting marks as well, which was – that was the first time somebody's asked me that. Good question. Yeah, it was uh-huh. – uh, it was uh, it was it was funny. It's funny thinking back on it. Yeah, we did have to hit these little marks all the time. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. Especially because that's how you know it's you know when and I'm banging the on the basement the door, yeah. you flash up, you don't see Diana, you flash down, she appears, and so it's a matter of timing those things. It's just an extra challenge on top of everything you already have to yeah. do. But you know, props to you guys for that. And we know the house is pretty creepy, and we heard that the basement was yeah, on, fire on fire afterwards. Yeah, like a week or two after we finished shooting. Wow, that's creepy. Yeah. So, like, Very creepy. Do, do you believe in like the spirits? Or- do I believe that we haunted that house? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, I don't believe that, but possibly. Well, okay. Are you open to the idea? Yeah, I'm open to the idea of it. I'm open to the idea of it. 
Teresa Somebody can prove it to me. I'll say yes. Teresa okay. has her stories of growing up in a haunted house, and now she thinks, like, right, her yeah, house her house is, is haunted now. Do you, do you joke? Like, do you, do you believe her, or, or you just kind of? I don't know. I mean, you, you can't question these women with these ghost <laughs> stories. You know, then they, then the ghost attacks you, and you're in trouble. Right. It happened in her story. You know, her husband doubts the ghost, and the mirror breaks. All right, so you just you just I mean, go with it. If a mirror is involved, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, you know. But. We had a, we rented a beach house one summer when we were kids that ended up being dubbed the the haunted house because stuff would happen in the house doors being slammed and I think someone's bag got unpacked without them unpacking it and stuff and I don't I still to this day don't know if it's like just this elaborate lie my parents kept going for years or mm-hmm. the house was haunted. I'm not going to doubt it. Speaking of the haunted, right? So uh, can you talk to us about Diana and like how that you know obviously it's an actress portraying her yeah. and, and uh, you know she's known for doing these roles. Uh, and, but how's that like, you know, uh, just kind of seeing it in real life versus, you know, on film? Because I've only seen it on film. It makes, um, well, firstly, it made our jobs much easier to have uh, practical effects as opposed to special effects. We had somebody in a very intimidating suit with, you know, fingers that were like 12 inches long attacking us throughout the film. So it made our job as actors a lot easier. We weren't playing against the green screen. It was nothing like that. And then it was absolutely frightening just to see her walking around set because she's, she, as you saw in the film, she does all these kind of wonderful movements and, you know, creaky, crawly type things. Um, she was amazing. And seeing it on set was much like you saw it on screen. Have you seen her do those moves but not in the weird suit? No. I mean, I didn't. I think it wasn't until we finished filming that I actually saw her face. And she was so sweet. She'd be like, hi, Alex, nice to meet you. I'm Alicia. I'm like, oh, really nice to meet you. I can't look at you right now. You're, you're, you're scaring me. <laughs> um, so it was, it was wild. Um, it was wild because she was really nice, but she was really scary. And she, the physical embodiment of this character made it so much better. And it's what you see. You know, when, There may be a few little scenes of added special effects in the film, but for the most part, it's just this woman doing that. And we'd shoot, you know, like, for example, when I said the flashlight scene in the door where she's there and then she's not, you know, we'd shoot it once with the light without her and then once with the light with her. So it wasn't like CGIing her into it. She was there. They just, mm-hmm. you know, edited it well. Very neat. Um, like, I found her absolutely terrifying because even at the end of this film, you know, at night, I made sure my TV was still on, you know, when Get I went a little to bed. Light. <laughs> I, I turned Teresa. off the lights eventually, but like, it, she she had such a scary, horrifying performance. Yeah. I mean, she did so well during Amazing. Like, Teresa, we did an interview with her on the red carpet and she apologized to all the fans for their electricity bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to be keeping the lights on for yeah. sure. It definitely yeah. gets you. It definitely got us while we were shooting because it does play in that really primal fear of you have no idea what's there, or, you know. You're staying in a place you don't really know and you think something's there and it's, it's just your garment bag hanging on the closet but you convince yourself it's something every mm-hmm. time yeah, I'm, I'm amazed like, I, I applaud this movie on so many levels the fact that like you know such a simple concept that like has always been there yeah. but someone hasn't done anything with and, and then this movie is able to capitalize on and the fact that like a lot of reviewers are applauding it that it, does, it doesn't uh, just rely on jump scares and things yeah. like that. It, it goes to a deeper level. Well, I think also because, like you said, you do care about these characters and the story mm-hmm. they're going through. It makes those scares much more intense. You know, they they are obviously there are some jump scares in the film, um, but in caring about these characters and what they're going through, it makes it that much scary. It makes it that much worse. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's not just the whole idea of going off the primal fear of darkness, but also the concept of, you know, monsters in the closet, monsters under the bed. So, like, they had those added elements to oh, it. Oh, we, well. we had it all pulling you under the bed, right? Yeah, you know, terrifying. I used to do this move where I'd count my steps to the bed and then jump at the last second to get in bed when I was a kid, so nothing could grab me under the bed. Sure enough, you know, Martin gets dragged under the bed in our film in that one scene. So, speaking of how, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Gabriel. Baven, he's making quite a name for himself in in, in the horror genre. Creepy How, kid. <laughs> and, uh, he's the sweetest kid in the world. What was it like to work with him? I mean, it was, he's so young, and, it, but already, you know, pretty accomplished. Yeah, very established. His whole family, I think it's like nine kids and ten of them are actors. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, his sister's in Annabelle 2 right now shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was awesome working with him. Um, I think I was used to working with kids that could be very moody and, you know, five minutes in, into it you're like ready to just leave but he was an unbelievable professional and also really sweet and wonderful working with a, a, a open-eyed bright-eyed kid who was like eager to learn things beyond movies just like talk about stuff you know i remember talking about the subway system in new york with him you know it was like eager and fun and happy um so it made a lot of our off-camera time, whether it was with Gabriel or with Tez, was just really nice and fun. And he was like any other little kid, just a little bit uh, smarter and maybe at times a little creepier. <laughs> on screen, enough. on screen. On screen, on screen. Well, you know, this this movie is getting, like, really positive reviews from the fans and whatnot. And it was also at Comic-Con. You yeah. just went to your first Comic-Con. I did go to my right? first Comic-Con. So, so how's the fan reaction been, like... Fan reaction's been pretty been pretty awesome. Um, fa- fans, I think there were so many fans of this short. We're, we're, our rollout continues till the end of August in Europe, you know, and all my European friends had seen this short way before I had because I think it was really big over there, mm-hmm. because maybe because he's Swedish or I don't know what it was. Um, but the fans so far, the U.S.-based fans, have really loved it. I think we attracted a lot of James Wan fans here. Um, and a lot of horror fans, and I think as we roll out worldwide, we're going to attract people who'd seen the short originally when it went viral, um, and that's really going to get them excited by it. I think this weekend we do some much larger rollouts. Ah, uh, very cool. And you guys just announced a, a sequel to this. Like any anything beyond that that you can tell us? I, I know nothing <laughs> beyond that except I just hope it's as good as our first one. I'm texting and emailing our producers every day, like, "Hey, you guys got any ideas? You want me to come in and you know." talk a little bit <laughs> all right it's, it's interesting because you know spoiler alert and whatnot but the fact that diana is gone but she was a mental kind of projection uh-huh. and affected one person but do you think she can affect more people for sure i mean more people she, she affects with. this she affects this woman who you know it can make an argument that she's in allegorically speaking like a, a metaphor for depression in a sense you know depression's genetic maybe her daughter's Depressed. Well, I, I did think that that was a very good question um, from Martin when he says, you know, hey, if mom's crazy, does that mean we're crazy? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, kind of left open in, in that regard. It's a great question, and I think we can address that in the sequel if anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could. Uh, you know, I mean, well, David, right now he's shooting Annabelle too, so there's, there's I think nothing. I think they got I think they got our, our writer Eric like working already. Probably, mm-hmm. my guess is. They're going to announce it in the trades. They're like they're probably already on it. Yeah, absolutely. And how does that make you feel to know like that that this movie's doing so well that like just a couple days at, it's after really, it comes out, <laughs> it's cool. really weird. It's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty shocking to be honest. Um, 
this is my first lead in a studio film like this. Um, so on Monday, Rudy's like, how do you feel? I was like, the same way I felt on Friday. <laughs> Just like watching Netflix, <laughs> sitting on my couch. And the next day, they're like, everyone's emailing me, like, sequel. I was like, oh, amazing. Like, what does that mean? Is that good? Like, this is good, right? That means people yeah. like the movie. And my manager's like, yes, people like the movie. It's, it's, it's humbling. It's amazing. I, I'm... I haven't quite processed it yet. Um, I mean, I haven't gotten a script yet or a contract, but it looks like I've already got another job, possibly, which is which is awesome. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It, it's a testament to people, obviously, really caring about this movie and liking these characters and wanting to see more out of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from a box office perspective, it exceeds expectations. You know, opening weekend. Yeah, um, and we've and had a great week so far. It's yeah. awesome. We're cruising. Yeah. It's, so it's awesome, and there's no competition in that space. No, at the moment, you know, Con- I don't think till the end of the summer, basically. Yeah, and the only competition, like Conjuring Two, you know, it's, it's still on a couple. They've of made screens, their but- three hundred plus million dollars <laughs> yeah, right. for now, guys. All right, give yeah. us a give, give us our mm-hmm. you know our due. I like the fact that this film came out in the summer compared to you know October, where all the other horror films come out and kind of gets you know. I think lost um, it, it 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 got. You know, they test these films and they fill out scorecards and all this stuff. And it tested really well. And to me, again, that was like, I didn't really comprehend what that meant. It's testing so well. It's testing so well. I'm like, all right, guys, like, what, where, what does that mean? And they were like, oh, we might come out in the fall. And I was like, I don't want to come out in the fall. Because originally they were going to maybe try and do it for spring. And then they were like, it's coming out in July. I'm like, it's coming out in July. That's a pretty big deal, right? And they're like, yeah, that's a huge deal. It's the same weekend as the original Conjuring. I was like, again, I don't know what this means. Like, what, we're going to follow this marketing strategy. You know, it's, it, was, it was all over my head. But for us to come out in the summer, the same weekend as a film like Star Trek was uh, in a testament to the studio's belief in the story and to where it could go. Yeah. I think Actually. it definitely worked. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. So far, it's working, I guess. We'll work again for the sequel. Yes. Next summer. Next <laughs> July 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, why not? Why not? Um, and so talk about uh, your other roles, right? So you've done TV as well. Yeah. Um, and how, what, what's the switch from like TV to movies for you? Well, I've been working on this Amazon show now, which isn't a huge switch. I found these Netflix, Amazon, limited series or cable shows. They use a lot of film directors. Um it shoots similar, but you know, a huge difference between film and TV is you really got to nail your lines on TV, right? They've got it down to a formula of how long each show is by the minute, and the writer has a way they're presenting the story. That's your biggest difference is you really got to nail your lines. You got to be on top of your stuff. Meaning timing wise, or just like timing wise in the timing wise, and you have to write. You have to say exactly what they write. Mm-hmm. You know, in 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 film, you can have a little mess up, and the director's like, you know. You and we're just working through our scene, you know. We're just getting we're, we're just getting it off the ground. We're taking it from here, and you, you have that freedom. Um, I mean, if I had my way, I'd I'd just do film all the time. It's fun. It's exciting. You get to embody a new character every time you you play a role. Um, but you also have these amazing. You know, we're just talking about Stranger Things. You have these amazing shows on Netflix and Amazon that are coming out from great writers, great studios, great directors making amazing things that you aren't expecting you know yeah Yeah. and you know i'm excited for good girls revolt i've known about this series for a while now but to have that on amazon just like a whole nother platform to be for sure it's exciting it's it's um it's also period which is really fun we get to wear bell bottoms and all these really amazingly warm 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 clothes when you're shooting in santa clarita don't wear wool (laughs) head to toe it's brutal 60s right yeah 69 70 
Um, Post Vietnam, my character is a a war veteran with what we would now call PTSD, but back then just thought somebody was a little bit crazy because it, it, they didn't really understand that people would have these lasting effects from war. It took a long time to figure that out. This show lends a little insight into that process, um, as well as insight into the rise of feminism and bra burning, et cetera, stuff like that. Very cool. And uh, what would what would be a character that you wanted to play, if you could? Like in a movie, or like am I making it like a specific movie, or am I making up a the character? Type of just, role that you always wanted to do. You know, I, I I like I like anybody who goes against what people think they're going to do. I think I think that's why this role of Brett was really great. Uh, you know, people expect him to be one person, but he's really another. Um, and I think anybody who you know. I don't know if expectations were, but anybody that goes against a stereotype, anybody that changes the way that pe- people think they're going to go is a fun character to play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a million dream roles, you know, <laughs> yeah. out there. Uh, every time you, you, you go to the, the movies, you're like, oh, my God, this would be a great role to play, whether it's uh, a bad guy fighting for a good cause or, you know, a good guy you're not quite sure if you want to root for him or not. Anybody that makes an audience think um, are the roles that I'd like to go after, you know, every right. part of very cool. And um, where can uh, fans follow you to kind of keep most up to date? On I just, I'm just on, uh, just cut, got on Instagram a few months ago. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Do you use it that often or just kind of still playing well, around? Well, I was a lot of, play, it was playing around and now uh, I'm using it, I guess. I mean, I, I was using it to help promote the film and I guess I'll use it for Good Girls Revolt and then decide how much insight into my normal life we'll go <laughs> i'm a little intimidated by social media um it it's a lot overwhelming it is overwhelming yeah. it's definitely overwhelming um it's a matter of finding a balance i think Absolutely. but i was told like that you know the studio loves me to do this you got to do this and i'm like oh god it was like such a internal well, fight going th- on there's obviously the negative side but like again so, with something like this like lights out like you yeah. know are you seeing a lot are you interacting with the fans because i mean that again that must feel good when you get like tweets or something like that yeah there's like the a, there's a little great. bit of interaction going on it's like very complimentary but you can't interact with everybody um it's it's overwhelming like i said <laughs> it's nice it's amazing to just have the concept of fans you know it's, right. a, it's a it's a very cool thing Internet's amazing. You know, even like Snapchat's like the big thing right now. So you're on Snapchat. I'm not on Snapchat. It would something inappropriate would happen Me if I was either, on Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat. Yeah. And I should understand. No, I, I, I don't really understand it either. I knew that like Gabriel did some Snapchat takeovers for like various hmm. mediums while we were on. I know there was a lights out filter on Snapchat. Oh, wow. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. I can yeah, imagine what that out. looks like. I, I, I've got Throw screenshots it. of it, but I never did it because I don't use Snapchat. <laughs> there you go. I, I mean, i, I got to imagine Diana's kind of in the background or something. Yeah, like, I think what it is is you make a scary face and then Diana pops up and like you send that to your friends or however Snapchat oh, works. Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. That is a horrible joke yeah. to play on people. Yeah. You know, we, we had like a running joke after we saw the film, like anything wrong that goes here in the studios, we just blame Diana. Mm-hmm. Like I still use that in my regular life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's always her fault. Yeah, it's, it's, always, it's been her fault for a good year now. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for joining us. It Thanks was for having me. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Um, and again, I can't I can't say enough about this movie. So congratulations. Thanks so much. And uh, I you know I genuinely look forward to the second one, um, and uh, seeing where Brett goes from there. <laughs> yeah. Brett, he's loyal as a dog. This guy. 
Absolutely. You just wanted one sock. I mean, that to write that just in a, one just sock. one sock, and the poor prick, like his little rainbow colors. <laughs> yeah, <sock>. come flying <laughs> out the window, hits him in the face. That scene, that was probably the longest scene it took to film. It was like a matter of Tez throwing a sock that would like somehow come directly to me, and it was like sock over there, sock over there, <laughs> sock over there. That took yeah, a lot. I, I, I give I give you guys credit because yeah, you guys normally like it would be cut every which way, but it was it was a. It was. That, it, it literally took difficult. forever to shoot that scene, and then I was catching it lefty, and then I was like, "Oh, nobody catches lefty." He's like, "Yeah, you're righty. You catch lefty, you throw righty." I was like, "All right, damn it, they're right. Okay, I'm gonna practice this thing, and get it right." <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Yeah, oh, I didn't well, know that. baseball. There you yeah. go. Yes. Well, thank you, you know, for coming in, and congratulations thank on you, so you know much. the success of this film. And I'm not much of a horror person, but I'll see the second one when that comes. I appreciate out. that. There you go. Well, all right, guys, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break as we say bye to Alex, but we'll continue on, so stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Anatomy of Movie fans. Again, we're talking Lights Out. Um, that was Alex. De Persia. That's it. Um, you know what? Um, I'm glad we had him. He gave us a couple of insights. And so now Marissa and I will continue and we'll kind of uh, fill in the gaps on some of the stuff that we didn't get to talk about, um, you know, in terms of the filmmaking process of this. Um, by the way, you can download our rundown for the show in the description section so you can kind of follow along and anything that we don't get to. Um, you know, I can kind of find there, but, uh, so we've, we, you know, one of the questions that we asked him was about the short film, had he seen it? So to start at the beginning, uh, David Sandberg, he, uh, he made a short film with his wife. Uh, it's a two minute horror film. You can catch it on YouTube. I, I made it's terrifying. <laughs> oh my God. It's terrifying. Yes. I watched it in like pure lit area and i'm like oh my god why why am i watching this it is because phil made you absolutely horrifying 
I'm Abs- not a horror person. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, it went viral. Uh, he, he put it in Britain's Bloody Cuts Horror Challenge. It didn't win, but he was uh, named Best Director. And after that, it went viral. Um, and that's what kind of led to this, uh, you know. And, and so it, a lot of people, you know, after it went viral, m- many people actually, you know, um, uh, Lawrence Gray, who's, who was one of the producers, he had a similar experience to you. He was, like, watching in his office. He's like, why am I scared? All the lights are on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's daylight outside. Well, I think that's just a testament of the concept and how simple of an idea that was, but how well it was shot and it can evoke such a scary emotion within two and a half minutes. Um, so props to them. Plus, I'm just a big wuss when it comes to horror. So. It's also a prime, you know, right? They, David said, like, you know, th- this stuff happens to every single one of us. Like, we're always checking, like, wait, I see something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as I said earlier, like, the fact that no one's done this concept is incredible to me. And they've tapped into something really special. Specially scary. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's special. Um, the, and, you know, one of the things we did, this is w- a couple of things that I, I like about this movie. Uh, it's it's so quick and efficient. Mm-hmm. At 81 minutes, that's including credits. Um, it wastes no time. It knows what it is, uh, you know, and, and you can just kind of, if you have, like the way I, I stole Marissa, right, and I stole somebody else. Um, but it was one of the ways I presented it to other people was like, hey, if you have a couple extra, like, you know, if you have, uh, give or take 60 minutes, go see this movie. Because it can be that quick, you know, and you're not wasting Absolutely. too much time watching it. I mean, what I enjoyed about this film uh, was that it wasted no time in telling the story to a point where, like, we can easily understand what's happening. There was a good back story set up, and we understood where Diana came from, where the connection was to the mother, where the connection is to the rest of the family, and it wasn't, like, convoluted. It was very thought out and very well produced in that way, so... But it took a little bit amount of time, but I understood it. And then, you know, we're always talking about pacing. They're always moving from room to room or house to apartment and back and whatnot, so, like, the pace was pretty on point. And the longest scene that I remember was the actual opening scene. Uh, you know, that was very slow and methodical. Right. And that's what sort of set up the world, and we don't obviously know quite what the hell is going on. And interestingly enough, like, the mannequins were part of that location. <laughs> so, yeah, you're kind of thrown off. It, it throws you off in that regard of, like, wait, am I supposed to be scared of the mannequins? Because they're creepy as hell. They are. Like, and even I'm watching at the beginning, I'm actually pretty fun to watch horror films because I'm the kind of person like, what are you doing? Why are the mannequins there? Like, what purpose do they serve? Who works in a place with creepy mannequins like that? I was wondering what his job was. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, some type of factory, but I'm like, what the hell are these random mannequins doing here? Very scary, though. Creepy. But I'm glad that, like, they threw that in there to, like, make us kind of afraid, but they're not the things that we should be afraid of yeah it's it's this creepy it's one. like misdirection kind of you know and and it's again it's set up a lot of those things even uh so as as we talked about with um with alex when he's running away from the house and he goes through uh the the, the kind of garage area right and he goes into the darkness and then she gets him it's obviously very similar it was because it was set up early on in the film when when the dad's leg gets uh you know Ooh. taken and, and you looked at me of like why what happened well, now we know. Yeah, now we know that she's in the dark. Um, you know, and so, so okay, so 
again, kind of going back, um, Lawrence Gray, um, he loves this, and it's one of those movies that he, he knew he could make on a micro budget. The budget for this is four point five million. Um, you know, it's steep, it's steep in some sense for an indie movie, but for a horror movie, like, and especially if they believed in it, it can make its money back. Um, yeah, Lauren- and if you think about it, there's really only like three main locations they used. I mean, mm-hmm. well, four if you include the school and whatnot, but three big filming locations was like the house, the apartment, and that warehouse they were at. At the beginning, so production was pretty small. If you think about it, overall, very much so. Um, you know, and it was it was Gray's idea to get James Wan involved. They had known each other uh, before. Uh, it was actually Lawrence Gray who heard the first pitch for Saw, and unfortunately, his studio at the time did not take it. Uh, and he still regrets that to yeah, this day. Uh, hindsight. But they, they've always kind of kept in touch and wanted to work together. And so that's how uh, James Wallen came, came aboard was through a phone call um, and whatnot. And then, you know, then, then it came into it. But, but, but they both knew that while it was a great concept in terms of a, there, there's many limitations of the short film to basically then translate it to a full on feature. It needed fleshing out. Yeah, you got to flesh it out create padding in his story and whatnot. And, you know, we've talked about other films that, you know, started off either on, like, conceptual development pictures or a short another short story and whatnot. But I think it's great that they... What they added to this to make it a full length is, like, an actual good dramatic story, which I said at the top of the show, that they added a family element, and I think that immediately makes it relatable to people along with the, the horror aspect underneath. Yeah, and they, they recruited a great um, great screenwriter, Eric, who has done the thing, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, and a lot of just horror in general. And so, you know, and I, I think this might be one of his, even out of those, like this might still be one of my favorite movies that he's probably scripted. Oh, Lights Out? Lights Out, <laughs> because, I don't know, it's it, it just the... He was, as I, he was able to blend these characters, uh, a concept, and humor. This movie had a ton there, of humor. There was a lot of humor, thanks to, you know, Brett. Um, but, yeah, I, I was surprised because every time they were in darkness, you knew something was going to happen. It was one of those movies, like, when it was daytime, for the most part, you're safe. When it's nighttime, good Lord, help us all. Absolutely, and 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 one of again the way that the movie progressed, I love the fact that um, the mother introduces Martin. She's like, you know, why don't let's have a you let's have you and me time. We need to spend a little bit, and it'll be just the three of us. And immediately he knows what 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 <laughs> who's the third. And then when she turns off the lights and starts introducing Diana, yeah, no. No, like, and and the problem was like she was holding the kid's hand. I was like, no, someone hold my hand because like she we could see and like hear Diana like slowly walking up behind the kid. Like this is absolutely terrifying. It, but but it works. What I appreciate about that scene is that it works on the horrific level because the kid's scared um, out of his mind, and yet here's Diana uh, or not Diana. I'm sorry, the mother who's saying like, no, no, don't be so afraid. Thin. Yeah, Sophie, don't be afraid. She doesn't know any better. And and the fact that, like, she's as horrific... Like, we're all scared as an audience members, but the fact that she's, like, trying to find a way to forgive this is more... To me, almost more troubling. Yeah, that, like, that- she can't control her behavior. Yeah. It's, um... And I, and I think that was interesting to have 
that like the mother was so connected to Diana, the fact that she wanted to introduce Diana to the family, be like, no, she's just one of us. She's just a little bit more troubled. Yeah. So it's messed up. <laughs> it, it was very messed up, but one of the core concepts, and you know what, in hindsight, I wish we talked about it with Alex, uh, was this notion of abandonment. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, early on, right, Becca's father, he abandoned them. Obviously, he did not. We yeah. learned that. Uh, but the fact that then Becca um, abandons Sophie and, and, and whatnot, and obviously Sophie feels like she abandoned Diana, it, it, there's that strange part of like, okay, what does that mean? What What is this, you know, who's right in this equation? Who's wrong? And uh, can you abandon somebody or does it lead to this? Or, yeah, if you do abandon someone, they're going to come back after you. Um, I, yeah, that is a more deep, Notion, and I think it's great because I think that you know, in parallel with the whole family element, that makes it again more real and realistic to um, understand. Because, and it's not just with families; like friends feel like they've been abandoned and whatnot. But I like the fact that there's like three kind of generations that this happened. We had, you know, the mother with a friend, and then we had the daughter, and then we had a kid. So like three different ages where this abandonment lies through. And, you know, even beyond that, the father um, of Diana herself. Because, yeah. he, you know, she's in my head and, and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, this is this has been going on. I, it's one of those things, what I, what I appreciate most about it is that it doesn't, it doesn't reveal too much. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, there's, there's Becca and she's asking like, hey, so who is she? And, and Sophie says, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, yeah. Okay, but so if she's not if she's not a ghost, then what is she? No, and we never obviously get that answer. Uh, it, besides, obviously, we would just formulate our own opinion that she's a mental projection. But obviously, it's more than just a mental projection; it's a physical, physical. Proje- and, then, and we were talking after we just saw the movie. That was one of my issues with the film. It's like if it's a mental projection, how. Does it have the ability going from mental to something tangible where it can like physically move things and move people and hurt them in a physical aspect? I'm going to tell you this. It's just like Sharknadoes. How do they happen? They just happen. They just happen. That's it. That's it. That's the only explanation you need sometimes. Suspend the disbelief a little bit more. Because, you know, at the end of the day, no no explanation is going to be satisfying enough. So why, why go through that? But I think that was my way of coping with horror after the tragedy I just saw. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I have to understand this in some way so I can feel better. But that, that was one of the biggest looming questions I had. If it's a mm-hmm. mental, how did it become tangible? Well, that is a big question. Um, you know, well, speaking of that, right, uh, I want to ask you about, we'll talk about some of the horror more uh, scary moments, but in terms of, I, I do want to talk about the ending in particular, because was that satisfying? Um, you know, uh, it kind of not, the the way the script was was going about, and, and the way the movie um, kind of went, uh, it seen you know it, it lent itself to that, right? Because the pills were gone. Um, I was really hoping that somehow again she would they, she would be helped, mm-hmm. and then that's how Diana would leave. Which, again, in, in some sense, makes for a better sequel because it kind of, again, there's that looming question of, like, if she gets off the meds, this girl's back. Um, exactly. Now, how is Diana going to 
Yeah, and return. that was my question. I was like, okay, she's gone, so... But, I mean, to, to answer the first question, yes, I think it was satisfying, but also... I think it was also very predictable, too, because there was a whole line where Sophie was like, you're nothing without me. And I'm like, oh, great. She only goes away when Sophie goes away in some shape or form. Like, the the only way to actually officially get rid of Diana is to kill her, so that means you're going to have to kill Sophie. Like, yeah. So I understood that and figured that out. So it was satisfying when, like, it came to fruition. I just, uh, you know, I love this movie. The, the only... And not, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the ending, but what I like, it was so much fun watching the movie, and, and as as gruesome it was to kind of see these, you know, um, this family and and going through all this, you know, and pain and horror, whatever the case may be. At that moment, things just changed. They got very dark, mm-hmm. and then the, the movie kind of ends after that. So it was like I, I was having fun with this. And then at that point, I was like, oh, shoot, it's actually real. That's it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. You know, uh, and so... Because they pull away from the house, and literally, that's how it ends. Yeah, and, 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 and again, in terms of... Like, I, I feel I feel bad for the mother, but I also feel bad for Becca, because there she goes through the basement. Luckily, Martin doesn't really see what happened, and I don't know if he would necessarily have the same connection, but... There's Becca seeing like what happened, the real uh, truth about her father, mm-hmm. that he was in this basement and he was locked away and that's how he died. And then she literally sees now the demise of her mother um, because of this, this thing. Because of Diana. Um, I felt bad, too, because, yes, Sophie's now dead, but also I thought, I was like, oh, no, now they're orphans. <laughs> and yeah. that, that just like left a really bad resonating meant a uh, picture for me. I was like, oh no, so like who else do they have now other than just themselves? Well it'll be interesting what child protective services says because again now you have to kind of like how do you explain Poor Diana? Martin. <laughs> yeah, because they're not gonna believe Becca that much. No, like Martin's gonna probably go into foster care and be jaded. Maybe Diana will come back from Martin because he seems like he'd be the most mentally unstable person. I mean uh, that's true. We we get that uh Rebecca, she's been through by uh, a lot of things, but she's older, so she probably has more ability to cope with everything that just went on. Whereas Martin, being a kid, being scarred, now an orphan, it makes sense if he Look was the one being tortured. We we need writing credit on this one, right? <laughs> We're just making this thing happen. Um, now you know we we've applauded Alex in this. Teresa Palmer, uh, absolutely fantastic. Love her. Uh, it was James Wan's idea to, to bring her in. Um, I didn't get to read too much into this, but I did read um, one article at least that said um, Teresa's mother actually suffered from mental illness. Um, I wasn't get, able to get more specifics than that, but you know, uh, obviously if that's true and to what extent, she, I'm sure she was able to draw from that. Yeah, absolutely. And also Teresa said in interviews, because it, it has been a family-related thing with her, that like she that helped draw her to just the project itself because she could relate so she wanted to do it because she knew what the experience was like being a daughter of someone who's had a mental um problem such as this as well that like she she found it very relatable and she wanted to immediately do this project yeah and she's a mother herself now so it kind of takes on a whole uh sort of meaning to her um 
you know, one of, one of the fun things that I, I, in terms of Alicia, right, we, we, we asked Alex about her, but um, Teresa says, seeing her as Diana, I couldn't connect with her in that way anymore because she's behind the suit. She's, she has these crazy contact lenses. She's so scary to look at. When she's in the scene, I'm literally afraid just because I'm staring at her. Um, and they know each other from... Uh, from I am number four. I am number four. Which is a great film because I just watched that recently, like last week. Um, I Coincidentally as well. And it's not, I think that's great to, you know, always, you know, be working with someone that you've already you know, uh, worked on a project with, but in a completely different sense than the first one in I Am Number Four, if you've ever seen that film. There's, like, a lot of stunts. There's a lot of fighting scenes going on. So you you know how they work together. But in this one, it's, like, way more dramatic, less action, but more just, like, the character suspense of acting. And it's, it's nice to see, like, two actresses, um, like, on the flip side of what they started off with and what they were doing in this one. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Diana, uh, they used you know we kind of talked about it they used a prosthetic suit for it and it was built by someone who did the character um for mrs doubtfire you know obviously someone that's worked in this uh, space a long time um and whatnot so you know creepy and i was like i was trying to look up actual suit of Diana or the, you know, prosthetic suit that she wore but I couldn't see anything so the only thing that I've seen was on film and most of that was in darkness so I've never seen like a full clear image of what Diana actually looks like which makes it all the more scary because it still leaves it up to the audience of how you can delineate her as a picture yeah you know I, I, like, she, she did a fantastic job absolutely fantastic a um, couple of uh, Easter eggs in Rebecca's room. There's a poster um, slacked, which again, just some of the weirdest posters um, on purpose. But slacked uh, translates in Swedish to "lights out." Hmm. So those posters were very creepy. Um, especially, I loved how she was very self-aware in the film. Like there are pictures that might scare you, and I was trying to look at that first one when we were first introduced to. Teresa, because I remember the shot was like the wall pictures and then Teresa. I'm like, okay, is this this character? Is this like a foreshadowing aspect of that we'll see Teresa go through in the darkness? But look cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, all right. So let's let's talk about David Sandberg, right? Um, we talked about his short, but now uh, let's talk about him directing. And uh, from what we learned with Alex, he's apparently a very calm guy. Uh, you know, and he was cautioned. Uh, he says it just went really fast and really smooth, and people kept telling me, "Don't get used to that," because that's not how it usually happens. Filming, no. no. <laughs> usually, like, there's always, always obstacles, and you always have to like plan to, like, okay, how do we change this, or how do we fix this, whatever. So, the fact that this went fairly smoothly for his direct big debut, directorial debut. Good for him. I mean, there's, you know, even though the budget's not uh, not huge for a blockbuster summer movie, the fact that, again, they put it up against Star Trek Beyond, that, that's writing a lot. And so much so, like, they're giving him uh, Anna, Annabelle, too. Like, that's what he's off doing right now. Wow. It's good so. for him, to, And then also probably working with James Wan again. So, I mean, and I like the fact that, like, he had the idea already, and then he could easily flesh it out to full 
feature, so it's nothing like really new to him. He was already part of this project from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, here, here's what uh, Maria Bello said about him. David has such a great and gentle hand. Uh, knew what he wanted, but also didn't have a big ego about it. Gave us actors a sense of comfort that we felt free to be the best of ourselves. So. Coming from Maria Bello, who's super stylish in and of herself, and about a first-time full-length director, says a lot. It does indeed. It does indeed. And you know what? I mean, one of the things that I think made this smooth, though, as, as I kind of look at it, right, um, a lot of the people that worked on this were people that um, have worked with James Vaughn. And, you know, Mark Spicer, uh, the cinematographer, he did Furious 7. Uh, you know, he's a cameraman on Fast 8. Uh, he did uh, The Shallows and Son of the Mask. It's a very experienced crew as well who, who knows this genre. Absolutely. That's great. Um, Kristen M. Burke did the costume design. She's known for Conjuring, Insidious, um, and whatnot. So, again, in that space, knowing these guys. And then, I think it's interesting. If you find it, real, like, all those horror films have, like, a strong female spirit antagonist mm-hmm. in that film, along with Lights Out. I wonder why it's the women who are the antagonist. Interesting. Well... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, I just realized that. I was like, all of those have, like, a female antagonist as the, you know, the main scary bad, the big baddie of the film. Well, it's because they're, they're, everyone's keeping Alicia employed. I mean, she's I, she's in most of those movies. Yeah. You know Good for I mean? her. Like, that's that's her. I, obviously, she's breaking, she's in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatnot and, and kind of other things now more and more so as an actress, not just being a stunt woman. But, you know, uh, I didn't, the way she described like, she loves portraying this role because she loves to scare people. <laughs> so, you know, I think she'll continue doing it. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just horror, too, but, like, she can just do a lot of actions. Well, I believe she's a Kate Beckinsale stunt woman for Underworld. Underworld. Mm-hmm. So, good for her. She's working. Indeed. Uh, and so, in terms of the editing, Michael Aller and Kirk... And Maury, they edited this, and and so, again, continuing the theme, Annabelle 2, The Boy Next Door, um, they've worked on all these, Conjuring 2, Furious 7, Insidious 2, and uh, one of my f- favorites, Piranha 3 Double D. You love Piranha. <laughs> Piranha's a good movie. Yes, we've, Piranha seen, 3D. we've seen that together. <laughs> Piranha 3D is a good movie. Piranha Phil, 3D Phil forces me to watch a lot D. of movies outside my comfort zone. We have hey, seen that film. Sometimes you have to. You make me watch crappy musicals and... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, that that's good. I, I'm trying to think, because this is a short film. I don't think it needed to be much longer. Nah, if... I can't imagine what you would have added. And the fact that the fact that it has so few characters mm-hmm. works really well towards mm-hmm. it. Um, I don't think you need it, you know. Um, no. The music, obviously, was very great. Scary. Um, Benjamin Walfish composed it. Uh, he's known more as an orchestrator slash conductor. He's, you know, those are the bigger movies that he's done, like Atonement, V for Vendetta, Robin Hood, Eat, Pray, Love, Twelve Years a Slave, and and so this is he's is done lighter movies. <laughs> yeah, well, he he he's composed um, for other movies, but um, so now it's great to kind of see him do this and and really be a composer rather than just a conductor and orchestrator. For him, and like all those films, they're so vastly different from each other. Like, all the you have Eat, Pray, Love, which is romance, and then Toman, which is also romance, but like drama periods and whatnot. So, uh, it's, it's great when he can span like so many different 
genres and evoke different emotions. Because even listening to the music for this film, I was scared the crap out of just trying to get the music for this one. And, like, I, <laughs> I didn't want to listen to more than the, just the trailer music. So, good for him. <laughs> Indeed. Um, all right. So, let's let's get at the box office. This thing's doing so well. Um, last I checked, $33 million overall. So, wow. Uh, for yeah. horror, that's great. Well, just but look at it this way, right? How often it made about fifteen million opening weekend, right, give or take. Uh, it's basically a three x That's a multiply three of three. Yeah. Right. That's what movie can say that opening weekend. Not a lot, and I think that's why there's so many horror films too, because they're easy to film. They're usually low budget, and so many people love it. Well, they need to be good. I mean, there's some there's some pretty bad ones, but so far, Conjuring Two has been great. People are loving The Shallows, um, and now this. So again, the the movies that we've seen for me, I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Purge Anarchy not for me. Yeah, but 3D Piranha is for you. (laughs) Hey, listen, that holds a special place. (laughs) Um, Yeah, lights out. I mean, I've seen the first Conjuring. I didn't see the second Conjuring, but I have seen Annabelle. That's probably one of the only other horror films that I have covered for Anatomy. And that was horribly terrifying as well. I forced Dimitri to go with me to see that. Like, I can't see these movies by myself. No. Well, luckily, there, there's any one of the... You can go at 10 a.m., I'm sure, and there will be enough people to see Lights Out with and have fun with. Yeah, but I don't want to walk away and not talk to someone about it, you know? I've got <laughs> talk to talk to, to someone about it. Talk to anybody. Uh, 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. As the site says, Lights Out makes skillful use of sturdy genre tropes and some terrific performances for an unsettling, fright-filled experience that delivers superior chills without skimping on story. I agree. I completely agree. Um, and audiences, audiences give it a B. I'm surprised. Mm, yeah. I mean, the, I'm not a fan, again, I'm not a fan of horror, but I would give this an A for horror. I've, I've actually seen a good amount of horror Unfortunately, but I would give this an A. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just it's just a lot of fun. So, um, and obviously, we're getting the second one. So, you know, we Yay. have that to look forward to. All right. Um, well, what was your f- most scary moment of the movie? Oh goodness! You know what? I know. Okay, so when Teresa is in her apartment at night, and the whole tattoo sign mm-hmm. and that neon sign keeps flashing, and then we see. Diana, every time it goes, you know, off and whatnot. But, like, it was the moment where Diana's, like, actually physically going towards Diana, or, like, towards Teresa and about to attack her. I was like, oh, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. And then there was the one moment she was, like, actually going to touch Teresa, or, like, and, you know, Rebecca. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Close the eyes. Birth the eyes, you know. Oh, God. It's horrible. Like, knowing something's physically coming at you that is a yeah. horrible feeling well i i, I liked um, what i liked about that scene was how they set it up because they kind of almost do it as an establishing shot and you're like oh okay but then it takes on a different meaning right they twist it on that because again just to shoot a outside exterior shot of, of an apartment building with like a sign that's kind of rickety you're like oh and they held on it for quite a bit so i was like why are we watching this? This means something. But also, like, that scene, you had the added feature of just the sound scratching on yeah. the wood, which is 
also a terrible sound that they use in every single horror film is like doors creaking and sound scratching. No, I think it was just like a, a culmination of the things that just scared the living shit out of me. Um, and, you know, again, there's a, just now there's the anticipation of scares, right? So when we first meet Rebecca, the fact that she's in the shower and, and the kind of things are foggy and you're like, wait, is something going to happen? And again, because we've been conditioned that way, you think so, but but nothing does. So. No. All righty. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, I don't think we need to talk much more than this. It was a short movie. It was, it was a great movie, but uh, we don't we don't need to beat it over the death. And that's why it was great to have Alex here to, to talk about it with us. Let us know what you guys thought of of the movie. What uh, portions were the scariest for you? And you know, would you would you think of uh, Alex's character Brett? I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was awesome. So. It's like, you know what? He's a good boyfriend. <laughs> he is indeed. All right, guys. Thank you guys for joining us at the Popcorn Talk uh, and at Movie Anatomy. You can follow us there and uh, check back every single week. We have, listen, in our archives, we've done a lot of movies, so you can check out all the movies we've done. And as you see them, watch the anatomy. And as future movies come out, we'll be doing them. Uh, we'll be doing Star Trek uh, beyond soon we're going to be doing Jason Bourne uh, War Dogs uh, Sausage Party uh, so on so forth and Sharknado 4 I know that's a TV movie but we we're going to be doing that Monday very soon so uh, but we've also covered Annabelle Conjuring 2 and, and Insidious, Insidious so Insidious absolutely we got the horror covered as well so definitely check those out if you love horror and uh, and if you are excited for Sharknado, check out our Popcorn Talks interview with Tara Reid um, in anticipation of the fourth movie. I've been lucky enough to see the fourth movie. It is fantastic. At Serafini TV says, bye. Yes, bye. And I do too, so we'll see you guys next time on another Anatomy of a Movie. Enjoy the creepy music. Producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.